Good morning, and again, let me add my welcome to the many that you've had already. My name is Rich. Uh, I'm the pastor teacher here, and it is uh, really great to say, particularly if you are a guest or a newcomer today, it's really, really lovely to have you with us as we think about this really important topic, abundant life or full life. For many, isn't that the mark of a successful life? So we might say of great Uncle Jack, who died at the age of 95, yeah, it's sad, but he he lived a full life. What do we mean by that? Well, we might mean, well, he had a happy upbringing, he had a successful and fulfilling career that he enjoyed, he travelled widely, had a large family, was active and enjoyed retirement life right up to the point of his death at the age of 95. He lived a full life. That's great, Uncle Jack. What about you? What does it mean for you to live life to the full? What is living life to the full for you? Maybe is it holidays or experiences or gadgets? Is it having our children having the fullest after-school activity program you could imagine? Is it keeping up with fashion or having all the TV subscription devices? What does it mean to live life to the full? Well, this urge, this desire to have abundant life, to have full life, is a good one. It's not a wrong thing. And interestingly, I wonder whether you've, you've ever considered what Jesus might contribute to that. How Jesus might relate to abundant life. Because in fact, Jesus offers abundant life. He offers full life. He, indeed, he promises it. If you've you got the Bible there, just look down to the second half of, of verse 10. Jesus explains the reason he came to this world... I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, if you're new to Christian things, that might surprise you a little bit. Because the perception often is of Jesus is that he came to do the exact opposite of that. He came to restrict my life. He came to limit my life. He came to take the fun out of life. He came to stop me doing things that I want to do and is trying to tell me to do things that I don't want to do. But here again, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. This morning, I want us to think a little bit about what this life is, but more actually how we get this life. Now, we are going to cover what it is, but what I'd encourage you to do, if you feel like I've shortchanged on the what it is, come back next week and the week after and week after that, as we will build up what this abundant life is. But we will cover that, but more importantly, how it is that we get it. When Jesus was teaching, he would often use things or situations that his hearers would have understood in order to make his points. Um, So uh, there are lots of ways we could describe that. Uh, The one I'm going to use this morning is word pictures. Okay, so he he paints a picture with his words of a situation which then makes a point that he teaches from. Now, the one that he uses today in our passage was very familiar to his first hearers, is probably less familiar to us. It is the, the word picture of a shepherd and their sheep. 
I imagine for a good number of us, the most contact we've had with a sheep is at you know, Pet's Corner at the zoo, right? Amy, my wife, still laughs at me for the first time that I visited her parents' house and we went for a walk. They're, they're not even in the middle of the countryside, but uh, we went for a walk and I got quite excited that there were sheep in the field next to me, being London born and bred. I was like, wow! And she still makes fun of me for that. <laughs> and it, it, what actually little we know of shepherds and sheep, we know certainly here in, say, England, uh, actually d- doesn't help us with this word picture. Okay, because perhaps our view of shepherds is quite a kind of sentimental one, you know, kind of a, a friendly old man in his tweed jacket on the hills with his sheepdog. And uh, again, our, our today, kind of sheep, our flocks of sheep are, are driven, so the shepherd comes behind, perhaps with dog or dogs, to drive the sheep. That's a bit different to the situation uh, that in the Near East, indeed today, as it was back then. So if I have the first slide up, we see back in those days that the relationship between a shepherd and sheep was, was a kind of an intimate one. And the shepherd wouldn't drive the sheep, but rather, you can kind of see in the front there, that he would lead the sheep. He would go in front of them. And he wasn't just a friendly old gentleman in the tweed jackets. No, this was a rough and ready profession. They had to be able to handle themselves, these shepherds. But the picture that Jesus paints in verses 1 to 6 is this of a shepherd and a sheep. And it's a communal sheep pen. I'm going to kind of talk us through this. So this is what, what Jesus says here. Think, think of a kind of big pen, perhaps even bigger than this hall, with walls all around it, and family groups or friendship groups or villages or whatever, they'd club together and have this one communal pen. So there'd be different sets of flocks of sheep within it. And there was one way in and one way out. And right even from the beginning, you can even see in verse 1 there, that Jesus alludes to a danger. There are thieves and robbers who don't go through the door. They jump over the wall. But the shepherd, he does go through the, 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 the door. Because there's this watchman who's kind of in charge of looking after all of them. And the, the shepherd walks in through that door. And then we get this, this intimate picture, verse 3, that's the little 3 there. To him, the gatekeeper opens... And here's the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And as I explained earlier, verse 4, when he's brought, um, brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." That was true then. Take to YouTube. You, I watched it this week. You get videos of um, shepherds, sheep only responding to their shepherds' voices. So I think it was like a holiday attraction or something, and a shepherd would go out and call to their sheep, and they would all look. And then they would get the kind of people on the tour guide, go on, try and do this call, and they would try it, and the sheep would just pay no attention. And then the shepherd would go up again and call, and they all look, and then you run over. It's, it's fascinating. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. It's, a, it's quite, quite a nice little picture of this, isn't it? Um, but if you're a bit confused as to why Jesus was talking like this and what's going on, you're not alone. Okay? The first hearers who understood this would have been made up of, the, of Jewish people and their religious leaders. But you can see from verse 6 that they don't get it either. And so Jesus explains and builds on this picture. And he simply says two things. That, well, I want us to see simply two things this morning. Two things that he says, Jesus says about himself that explain this word picture. 
If I have the next slide, please. Firstly, Jesus says, I am the door. Strange thing, isn't it? But I am the door. So verse 7, uh, so Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And again, verse 9, I am the door. Okay, the picture's changed a little bit. So we've gone from this massive one, like the kind of base camp, and we're now out in the fields, perhaps a smaller one, just a single flock. Uh, and if I have the next slide, please, it kind of perhaps would have looked something kind of a little bit like this. So the kind of lower walls, but again, to, to keep the sheep in and to protect them. Um, and they would have had a doorway. And uh, particularly at night time, the sheep would have been led into the, the pen, and then the shepherd would lie down over the door. The shepherd was the door to keep the sheep in, to keep trouble out. And Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So in the, the world of... Uh, the, our word picture here, the sheep comes through the door and it goes in and it goes out and it finds pasture, it's provided for and it finds protection in the shepherd. It, the picture is of this kind of fat, contented, flourishing sheep who are safe from, from harassments. The meaning, the point that Jesus is making from this is that Jesus' sheep, Christians, these are sheep Christians. They are saved, as verse 9 puts it, as they come to Jesus. They are saved, and they too experience this provision and protection. And as he goes on, uh, just in the next verse, in verse 10, as we've looked at already, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now that might not sound as glamorous as partying with B-list celebrities or driving around in a Jaguar or whatever it else might be. Provision and protection, it might not sound that exciting, but actually this is life at its best. This is life in relationship with Jesus. As Eleanor was explaining, that the difference to her life that it made when she came to know him, this personal relationship and the different ways that uh, that affected her, that is what Jesus offers, this abundant life, relationship with him. And in our times, which are so increasingly uncertain and insecure, how wonderful to know that Jesus brings provision and protection provision, everything that we need, hear that word need, not want, everything we need, physically, yeah, spiritually particularly, and protection, security, safety. This is the life that Jesus brings. And as I say, we're going to build more upon that over the coming weeks as we continue to think about life. But do you remember how I said that the common perception of Jesus is you know, that he, 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 he takes away from life, actually he does away from life, he makes it harder and more difficult and all those kind of things? Well, that perception comes from a confusion with religion. 
Because did you notice what Jesus said just before he, he said, I bring life? In verse 10, the beginning of it this time, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So he's con- Jesus contrasting himself with something. And in that, the beginning of verse 10, he's having a go at the religious leaders of the day. They're listening. I mean, if you look back to chapter 9, you'll, you'll see what they're, they're like. But these religious leaders have abused their position. They have exploited the people. They have placed burdens on the people, weighed them down with excessive rules. And that indeed does suck the life out of life. Or it does worse. Indeed, verse 10, to kill and destroy. That's what religion does. Religion that says, these are the things you have to do in order to make yourself right with God. These are things you have to do in order to keep yourself in God's good books. Yeah, those things do take away. And unfortunately, there are some forms of so-called Christianity that do encourage and promote that. But Jesus says, no, that's not what he's about. Jesus has come to bring life, and he is the doorway to it. And to come to him, to come to Jesus, isn't to sign up to a whole list of rules and regulations that you're now going to follow. It's not a whole list of requirements that we're going to need to do. It is to come to him, trusting in what he has done. And this is our second point. If I have the next slide up, please. Jesus said, firstly, that I am the door, and now Jesus kind of switches himself over in the metaphor, and now Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And once again, he says it twice. So verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. But in these these next set of verses, we're introduced to another character in our, our little word picture. And this character is the hired hand. He's the employee. Okay, so he's kind of probably does a good enough job. He gets paid to do his work, and so he turns up on time, and he takes care of the sheep and does, does everything, and kind of takes them to the food. And So I was showing you how little I know about sheep stuff, aren't I? Um, <laughs> but he kind of cares for the sheep. He does his job. But if I have the next slide, please, imagine the scene. So here's this hired hand doing it all, but then one of these guys turns up, a wolf. And all of a sudden, well, what does the hired hand do? Like, they're not his sheep. He hasn't got that intimate relationship with him that we're talking about. This is all a bit serious, isn't it? This, this could be pretty risky for me. So what does he do? Well, first, second half of verse 12, um, it, just in the middle there, he, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But again, we're meant to see a contrast here. See the contrast with Jesus, verse 15. Uh, Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I I lay down my life for the sheep. See, the good shepherd stays when trouble comes. The good shepherd doesn't run away. They are his sheep. He knows them. He's not going to abandon them. And if necessary, he's going to lay his life down for them. And here, of course, Jesus is speaking of his upcoming death. No less than five times, you look at them, verse 11 to 18, no less than five times Jesus says he's going to lay down his life. And indeed, not long after this, if we have the next slide up, Jesus is going to do exactly that. 
He's going to lay down his life as he was crucified on a Roman cross. And when that happened, Jesus' followers, well, they were really confused. And they were, they were broken by it when it first happens. But we can see here, Jesus speaking of it ahead of time, he helps us to make sense of what was going to happen. As Jesus was crucified, it wasn't some tragic accident. It wasn't as though the, the Jews and the Romans got their wicked way with him, although in one sense they did. But no, Jesus could have stopped it at any moment. No, as Jesus was dying on a cross, he was laying down his life. It was a deliberate act of Jesus. You see, his sheep were facing danger. Not the danger of thieves, but of the problem that the Bible speaks of as sin, that Alex helpfully explained just before the confession we had earlier. And again, Eleanor mentioned the message she heard. Sin, that, that heart attitude that is set against God, that ignores him, that rejects him then is worked out in, in so many ways. And the, the tragic irony that what people often so think is this liberating life actually brings death, spiritual death, punishment, eternal separation from God and all his goodness. But the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You know, like a shepherd would throw himself into danger, uh, would throw himself at the wolf to defend his sheep. Well, we see, Jesus laid down his life for his sheep. He threw himself at that danger, taking that death himself, taking that punishment upon himself in order that his sheep would be safe and would have life and would have abundant life. But you see, death wasn't the end. You see it from verse 17 and 18. Again, he lay it down, but only three days later to, to take it up again. Death wasn't the end for this shepherd. He rose again and ascended where he is the good shepherd of all his people still today. You see, by this dying and raising, rising, the good shepherd saved his sheep. He brings them to life, abundant life. And he has done everything necessary in order that we would have that life. If I have the next slide, please. He, he is the door. He is the entrance to life. He is the good shepherd. He is the one who has done everything necessary in order to bring us this life. But here's the thing for you and me, living 2,000 odd years later after Jesus. Have a look down at verse 16. Jesus speaking, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them. Uh, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock, one shepherd. Jesus says that there are sheep who aren't yet in this fold. And in the first instance, Jesus speaking there, he was saying that there were some Jewish people who had come to, to follow him, and he was going to go to non-Jewish people, to Gentiles people, and they were going to come to this flock too. And indeed, the Christians who are sat in this room, most of us, I imagine, won't have been Jewish, but we have been brought into this sheep pen, as it were. We have become his. But there are still others. There are still others who are yet to have been brought in to this pen. 
And Jesus says, I must bring them in also. Jesus says, they will listen to my voice. And so maybe this morning, as you've been hearing me speak of Jesus, the door, Jesus, the good shepherd, maybe perhaps for the first time you, you, you've heard this, and, but you've realised actually, no, I haven't got this life. And, and I want to have this life. Well, come to the door, come through the door, come to Jesus. Come trusting, not in rules and regulations, things that we do ourselves, but trusting in what he has done in laying his life down for his people. And find life, because he is the good shepherd who laid down his own life. But maybe you're not, you're not ready to do that. Perhaps, again, this is the first time you've heard um, Jesus and what he, about him and what he, he's done. Well, again, can I encourage you, please don't miss out on this abundant life. Come back uh, over the, the, the events that Mark explained in our church family news. Men, tomorrow, uh, yeah, tomorrow night. Uh, everybody welcome Wednesday week here at 8 p.m. Come back next Sunday. The next four or five weeks, we're going to be exploring this life that Jesus brings. It's so great. Don't miss out on it. But also, I've left my copies down, but on the table on the way out, um, if you would like to find out more, well, there are, there are two things there. There's, first of all, John's Gospel, it's a big white one that says life. I'd encourage, if you haven't got a Bible yourself, please grab one of those and read it. You can read a, maybe a chapter a day, one of the big numbers, and see, this, see Jesus and see this life that he brought. Or there's a, a booklet that's been written, again, explaining uh, the good news of Jesus. If you want a bit of help and explanation, please do take that away and read it. Jesus says, he has come that we may have life, and we may have it abundantly. And he is the way to this life. I'm going to pray as we finish. Father, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for this um, this, this picture of Jesus' tenderness and love, his protection and provision, the life that he brings. Please, Father, would we be those who all come to him and know this life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.